Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just before we go to Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff at 1235 at Edmonton uh, for our friends with the horses and horse racing in Alberta, i got to read this text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line from Herm. Now, Herm is a former minor pro goaltender. He spent uh, at least uh, maybe a couple decades working in the Western League for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, he knows the game. Here is Herm. He says, Bob, enough is enough. Some tough choices on players need to be made. A couple of lucky things have happened to the Oilers. The lottery draft for McDavid. The Kane signing turned out well. The type of players the Oilers need to bring in. Character and toughness. We better find some sooner or we're going to get run out. It would be very sad to see with the offense we have. The goaltender coach needs to understand how to get them to play one off another says Herm, who was a minor pro goaltender himself. With the way Skinner is playing right now, it's a great opportunity to do that. That one comes to us from Herm. Enough is enough. That's the message from Herm. I think there's a lot of fans right now saying enough's enough. We are going to tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates too. Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Tell Chef Altoff and Chris that Oilers now sent you. So we go to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Welcome back to the show for the horses and horse racing Alberta Live standard bre- racing, standard bread racing on the weekends at Century Mile. For more information, visit thehorses.com. Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? Pretty good, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, fans are frustrated. The team's 14-12. and 12. Let's not forget that uh, last year they started 16-5. and 5, Then they went to 11-2. So at one point they were 18-16-2. and 2. Um, They were scuffling then, and they're scuffling now. Um, and outplayed last week. It's interesting, Frank. They had three games in a row where they outshot the opposition pretty substantially. And the last three games they've been outshot. Last night they were second best, in ver- other than Stuart Skinner, who was tremendous. The Capitals were just better. What are you seeing right now? I, I know you got your pulse on the league. There's a lot of teams that aren't happy with where they're at that are taking on a little bit of water. But what are you seeing with Edmonton right now, Frank? Well, I think your texter there, Herm, was on to something in terms of the Oilers being rather easy to play against. And one thing that I noticed, particularly uh, watching last night's game in depth and, and as the third period sort of went on as well, it's, it wasn't just easy in the Oilers' end to uh, to beat them to the net off the rush, but it was also really easy in their own end on sustained plays that the Capitals had opportunities at even strength that they were able to get to Skinner and get to dangerous areas 
you know, without really much pushback. And so that's a team mindset thing too. It's not just personnel. I think that's part of it, but that's, you know, that comes down to structure and team mindset too. Well, you know, how do they go into the game with their game plan and what's their thought process? And it just seems to be at times, Bob, a little bit too offensively focused, too focused on going the other way and generating chances off the rush. And that can't always be the answer. So um, Skinner was great last night. Over the last 33 days, he's got a 901 save percentage. It's serviceable. It's it's fine. Um, but they also need some help from their forwards at the other end of the ice, too. All right. Uh, several things to hit on. First of all, uh, goaltending. We all know the deal with Jack Campbell. He's not happy. We're going to hear from him. I had a sit-down one-on-one conversation a little bit later on in the show. Skinner, you know, Skinner's got better than a 9.15 save percentage on the season. He'll take that all day. Goaltending was not the issue last night. I'm actually, i got to tell you, Frank, I'm not that concerned about it because I don't think Campbell can play much worse, and I like the way uh, Skinner is tracking at this time. Defense. Um, we have Arizona in town. We have Jacob Chikrin in town. You know teams are starting to watch him. At this point, what do you believe the asset request is? And then I'm going to give you a possible trade scenario. So what do you think the request is for Bill Armstrong at this point? I don't think it's changed. I think they're looking for something similar along the lines of what the Vegas Golden Knights paid to get Jack Eichel. It was a first-round pick potentially a, another former first round pick and a player. Uh, Krebs was the guy that went from Vegas to Buffalo and then another asset on top of that. So you're looking at two first round picks, most likely plus something else. My guess, something in the along the lines of a B level prospect, something like that. And by the way, I've tracked like a lot of other people, Chikrin quite closely and, in a pretty strong game uh, down the road in Calgary last night, a golden assist and just looks to be moving with ease, which I think is important from a mobility standpoint when you consider, you know, some of the work that's been done on his body in the last six to eight months. All right. Well, they also got Alex Tuck in that trade, Buffalo, right? Like that was, it was Tuck who was future captain material and they got Krebs and they got a number one for Jack Eichel. So now here's the scenario. So, so let me ask you this. I want to I want to stop you for a second there because I've debated this myself. At this moment in time, given how well Eichel has also played, who's winning the trade? That's a good one, and and I'll tell you why. Because I know what Vegas's mentality is: get the best players you can, and then fill out the remind the remainder of your. Don't overpay for mid range players. That is Vegas's men. They're they're in on every top end player, and if you collect the best top end players, you can get relatively inexpensive depth players if you're a good team. Which is where, uh, and we'll get to it in a second here, Frank. I think it's I think you can argue it from either perspective because Tuck's been a good addition for Buffalo, but they flatlined here over the last ten to twelve games. All right, so here's the scenario. So, so maybe that's an issue that the Oilers have run into is they have no better collection of high-end talent in McDavid and Dreisaitl, but they've run into issues, and, and I'm, I'm going to exclude Hyman because he's been worth every penny that the Oilers have paid, but with where they're at with the rest of their lineup, with Nugent Hopkins, with Yamamoto, Pulley Yarby, they're caught in, in sort of no-man's land with 
you know, the middle class players that have become in this frozen flat uh, salary cap world have become in a lot of ways extinct. I heard a stat and I'll pass it along to you, Bob, because I'm sure you'll find it interesting. Players in the NHL earning less than $1 million a year are up 22% yes. year yeah. over year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Frank, here's and, – and, and I look at Edmonton. Kane's been worth every dollar, but he's not available. But mm-hmm. he's been worth every dollar that the owners have paid. I mean, it's worked out for Kane. The guy scored 35 goals in 58 games. He was tracking fine this year. Newton Hopkins has already matched his goal total. I'm fine with the Oilers. They have a legit top five. Nobody would debate. They might have the best top five forwards in the league. Where the Oilers have, where the cracks have occurred with Edmonton, Pugliarvi, it's a disastrous year so far for Pugliarvi. I mean, he's got one goal in 25 games, 26 games. It's unbelievable. He's got below a 3% shooting percentage. If you had told me, Frank, at the start of the season that, yes, a Pugliarvi, Dylan Holloway, and Connor Yamamoto would have combined for two goals at the 26 game mark. I would have said you're on planet Zoltar. So that's so now I'm going to circle back to Jacob Chikram. Here you go, Frank, and I'm going to shut up and you're going to tell us how you think. Who says no? Broberg, the order is number one. Pull Yarvey because you need some money to go the other way, and for the sake of argument, a prospect like Raphael Lavoie. Who says no? Arizona or Edmonton? Arizona. Okay. Um, I don't think it's as as, as currently constituted enough. Um, okay. I just it's it's not there yet um, in terms of the package. I think they they have their sights set on more than that, and they've held out to this point, not dealing Chikrin. Obviously, there was an injury at play for a bit, but they haven't pulled the trigger because no one stepped up to meet it. And not only that, I also wonder, um, just from an Oilers perspective, and, and this goes not just from Edmonton, but also from other teams, what do the Oilers think Chikrin is? How do they view him? Um, how good do they think he is? Because I think even watching this stretch of hockey that he's played with the Coyotes this year, he's looked good, but I don't know that he's a number one. I think he's a true, you know, probably number two in this league. And what is that worth? Uh, what is the contract and the cost certainty worth? I think those are all really worthy debates to be had. And then you need to take a step back and ask yourself, what do you think Broberg is going to be? And that's maybe the hardest part of the equation to project. I've got a comparable for Broberg, Kenny Johnson. And remember, Kenny Johnson was a leaf spec that ended up becoming a pretty good New York Islander. He physically looks like Kenny Johnson. He plays like Kenny Johnson. Kenny Johnson Kenny ended up having a pretty good NHL career in the end. Played for a number of years in Sweden. But was not an overly physical six foot three, six foot four, left shot defenseman, blonde. <laughs> could uh, could move the puck okay. Was not a true quarterback on a first unit power play quarterback. But was probably on the second unit at times for certainly during his tenure at the Islander. That's what I think. And so this is a tricky one for Edmonton. Frank, I don't believe the Oilers at this point are super aggressive to upgrade the D yet because I think they want to see what they have with Broberg over the next 15 games. What about you? I think that's fair, and I also think that with where the Oilers are at at this moment in time, 
the one thing they really have to consider as they put all their cards on the table and begin to, to move this around is they may only have enough assets and let alone cap space to make one significant trade this year. And if that is the case, my money wouldn't be on the Oilers spending those assets on defense, at least where things are right now. Well, this is going to make for a real crappy segment, Frank, because I 100% agree with you. Now, and I know we, we I, I believe we discussed this privately, but you know the stats. Since the 2003 NHL draft, the Edmonton Oilers rounds two through seven have drafted one player in the last 19 years of the draft, rounds two through seven, that's had a 60-plus point season. That player was in town last night with the Washington Capitals. He was a defenseman, Eric Gustafson. He was a fourth-round pick in 2012, and he didn't do it for Edmonton. He did it with Chicago. I'm wondering, when you read me those numbers on the, the contracts below a million bucks, if we're going to see more second- and third-round picks move, because the reality is the percentage of those picks playing more than 100 games, I don't know, 22%, something like that, and and maybe teams don't need to be worried about hoarding second, third, and fourth round picks, especially when you're supposed to be in a win now mode. What do you think? Well, that makes sense, and also because if you're if that's what your you know hitting percentage is going to be, then of course you would consider moving those. Like I, I would argue that certain other franchises, that's where they've made their money, and that's why their scouting departments have been so good is they've drilled and hit um, absolute Dallas brand. Yeah. Upper deck grand slams in rounds two through five. And Dallas is a great example. Like think back to that. I think it was 2017. They went Ottinger, um, Hintz and Haskinen, I believe in those three picks, if I'm not mistaken. And those three picks, I actually talked to Jim Nill about this, their GM, a couple weeks ago. And for someone that was on uh, and, and a key member of the Detroit Red Wings staff for so, so long in, in some of the best draft classes of all time, he says that those top three picks from the Dallas Stars rival just about any draft he's ever been a part of. That's how good it was from their perspective. And I think speaks to the importance of it. And I would say, you know, if you're the Oilers and you're in contender mode now, you're, you don't, you're not worrying about those picks. You know, you've got to do what you can to take advantage of the time you have with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and the absolute primes of, your, of their careers. You need to throw that out the window. Um, but the point is, you know, if you do have them and you are keeping them, you've got to hit on some of them is the other part of it. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, you look at it, Heiskanen's uh, a first-pairing defenseman. He's got 150 points in 297 games. He went third. Ottinger is a legit top-ten goaltender. And right now, Robertson, and you can't compare the first 153 games with McDavid versus the first 153 games with uh, with Robertson because Robertson wasn't in the NHL at 18 and 19. So it's a different comparable, but what a player he's become. Frank, I mean, I'm, I, 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 there's another thing that frustrates me. The Oilers haven't even had full-time committed scouts in Quebec and took a shot on Lavoie in the second round. 
you know, who was a healthy scratch this weekend as a second-round draft choice. I mean, that's and that's from the Holland regime since Ken's come to him, and that's a 2019 second-rounder. So uh, my feeling on this is the time is now. It, I, I'm not sure I'd trade the number one, but I'd be open. All right, that's tough. Who's hot? Whose name are you hearing the most out there right now, Frank, on the trade market? Well, a lot of people, Bob, are talking about Brock Besser, but I don't know that there's nearly as much smoke there as um, some would lead you to believe. I think at this point, the agent being involved um, and has permission from the Vancouver Canucks to talk to teams about finding a potential suitor has you know, gotten more eyeballs on it. But the fact of the matter is the Canucks would have preferred to do this on their own and try and find a solution to offload one of their bigger contracts, which Jim Rutherford, the president of Hockey Ops, has made really clear is their top priority as the season moves along. And two more years at 6.65 for Brock Besser, it's hard to find a suitor for a guy um, that is probably making a million or a million two more than he should be, uh, given where his production is at at this point. He hasn't bounced back the way many thought that he would this season on the goal-scoring front. The market is is seemingly flooded with high-priced wingers uh, on the cap, and it's going to be a difficult trade to put together, I believe, at this moment in time. And I, I, I truly think that where they stand with Besser is it's likely at this point to wait until the offseason if you're going to move him um, because the value just isn't there. You have to look at two trades in particular. Uh, the Kevin Fiala trade from – Minnesota to L.A. is basically netted a second-round pick. Um, different circumstances, of course, but Bjorkstrand moving from Columbus to Seattle. Um, those are two wingers that, are, uh, that have a better, more complete game. Fiala puts up more points, um, and the returns were not really all that exciting from a team perspective. So Vancouver either needs to readjust their expectations and is just willing to get off of the contract, or they're in a spot where they probably need to hang on to him. What about Garland? Uh, we've talked a lot about Horvat. Obviously, there would be a lot of teams this, you know, Horvat, Garland, and Myers, and I'm not the biggest Myers guy at this stage, but you're hearing anything on those three guys? No, I think with Myers, the, the no-trade clause is going to be a sticking point. Wow. My sense is he'd like to remain in Vancouver, if at all possible. Um and he holds that right. Uh, so we'll see if anything materializes on that front. But nothing new with Horvat. There were some rumblings out there over the last five or six days that the Canucks had reengaged and made a new offer. If that happened, I don't have any proof. Um, but I don't get any sense that um, there's anything new um, or at least brings them closer towards getting a deal done on an extension. Um, and when it comes to Garland, he's been a somewhat polarizing player. I, I love what he brings. I love his scrappiness, the way he gets involved in the play. He's not afraid. Um, I think he's one of those guys that helps drag your team into the fight. And the production, when it was all said and done last year after a tough start, ended up being basically right at market value in terms of what you'd pay for him on the salary cap. So it's probably the term that's scaring teams off at the moment when it comes to someone like Connor Garland. Which team's more likely to bail here, Columbus or Philly? Bail in what sense? Re- blow it up and rebuild. 
Oh, uh, it's definitely Philly. Um, Columbus, I think they're looking at this year as, as one to reboot. I think they've got a, a few defensemen that they're really intrigued with on the way, namely David Juracek and then some other young guys that could maybe step in to their roster next season. Um, they've dealt with some injuries, of course, having someone like Warensky out doesn't help. Uh, Line A has missed time. Jake Voracek, his career may be over. Uh, so they have some significant question marks. They need structure. They really miss someone like Bjorkstrand, who I just talked about. And the Flyers are in a spot where, geez, um, I, I don't know how they can possibly sell themselves on thinking that this team, even with all the injuries that they have, is ready to be competitive in today's NHL. And they've resisted it for the longest time, but it feels like now's the time to rip the Band-Aid off and begin that rebuild process, which, interestingly enough, Bob, you've seen in other markets, the fan base gets behind it. Like, look at Chicago. We were expecting a miserable season from the Hawks. You guys have seen them a number of times already this season. They're actually a fun team to watch. Maybe not so much from an Oilers perspective, but some of those games have been back and forth and close to the point where even if they're losing, fans are chalking it up as a quality loss that might get them closer to a player like Connor Bedard, who was absolutely ridiculous against the Oil Kings yesterday. Yeah, he was pretty good. I was here. Uh, final one for you, circling back to the Hawks. Are they going to feel the same way if Kane and Taze end up going? Oh, I, I think so. They're ready for the whole thing to be torn down. Um, I think they're actually pretty excited right now with the way this season has gone. With Taves bouncing back in a big way, Kane's played, you know, sort of uh, closer to his normal level. Uh, there hasn't been a huge drop off there, and they've also found guys in Athanasiu and Domi, and uh, you know, potentially a Sam Lafferty, some other guys in their lineup that you know may have some real value on the trade market. Where they had three first round picks last year, how many shots do they end up getting this year, and how many can they hit on? Where all of a sudden, it can really turn things around pretty quickly, depending on how well they draft. Frank, awesome hit. Appreciate you having uh, joining us here in Oilers now. Thanks a lot, Bob. Take care. You bet. That is Frank Saravalli uh, from Daily Faceoffs for the horses and horse racing. Albert at Live Standard Bread Racing Fridays and Saturdays at Century Mile. For more information, visit thehorses.com. I got a text coming up that I want to get to when we return in Oilers now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, we came back with Dave Mason. We just disagree for a reason. Because Herb texts us back to say, Bob, the Oilers don't need a type of defenseman like Jacob Chikram. And the Coyotes are asking for too much. The Oilers need a large, tough, big physical defenseman that brings some toughness to the back end. And then he adds, like a Dave Mason. He meant to say like a Dave Manson. But he said Dave Mason. So that's why we had some fun. With uh, We Just Disagree, which is the uh, classic hit uh, for Mason back in the mid-1970s. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Hey, we've got a hollow, uh, a great holiday uh, gift uh, option for you. You can join Oilers Now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights, this new West travel package. Uh, 
Includes airfare, three nights at a five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip, great game tickets, and a welcome reception with yours truly. For the Oilers now, Rody, visit newwesttravel.com. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, and then you. We're going to open up the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. What do the Oilers need to do? They're 14 and 12. I'd say they're scuttling along. Do they need to just be patient during this stretch with their injured forwards? What would you do? You're the GM. You make the call. Call us in the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. Text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. It's 1 o'clock in Edmonton.